The Sons of Saturday podcast is brought to you by our friends at Main Street Pharmacy. Located right on Main Street in Blacksburg, Virginia, Main Street Pharmacy is proudly owned by a Hokie family and has been a partner of this podcast since 2020. MSP offers free delivery, curbside pickup, and vaccinations as well. If you are a student or resident in the Blacksburg area, you can always trust that at Main Street Pharmacy, you are not just a number, you are a neighbor. All right, everybody. Happy Monday. It is 7.12 p.m. You are joined by Patrick, Billy Ray, and our guy, Mike Holmes, rushed home from work to be on this podcast. We are super <laughs> appreciative. Um, as some of you may know, Patrick and I were at the game. There was a 0% chance that we were going to record a podcast yesterday. I drove back to Atlanta. Pat flew from Destin to Charlotte. And we are here for the first half of this podcast. We will be talking about the football game, the X's and the O's, the Jimmy's and the Joe's. And then on the back half of this podcast, we will be talking about the weekend that we had. So action packed, ton of stuff. Um, Patrick, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I am renewed and restored down here in Charlotte. I am already turning the page, looking forward to a fun weekend in Blacksburg for homecoming. We got a lot of cool stuff going on this weekend. Happy to share uh, towards the end of this podcast and on social and on the newsletter as well. Mike Holmes, how you doing, dude? Hey, doing great. It's a beautiful day here in uh, Castle Rock, Colorado and uh, ready to talk some Hokies. Any snow yet? We're waiting. Nothing, just just in the mountains. Pikes Peak's got a little snow on top of it right now, but that's about it. Here we go. Haiku time. Oh, it's haiku time. <laughs> is that what time it is? Listen, it is. I was cracking up. Hokey haikus are hilarious because you get some people who just really just don't know how to do poetry or they don't know how to clap out syllables. And I was saying that some of the smartest people I know would struggle through a haiku poem. It's like, hey, listen, you got you got three stanzas, you got five, seven, five. Just clap it out. Mm-hmm. And typically, haikus are actually about nature and sounds in nature. That's at least what I learned in, in first grade. Um, so we're gonna kick it off with one that actually has to do with some nature from Oswald. He says, or she, actually, it's definitely a he. It's at Mister Oswald Bates. <laughs> Cold start yet again. Hokey winter continues. Offense, hints of spring. All right, so naturally we have a fantastic haiku gold star for Mr. Oswald here. Uh, Billy Ray, take the second one. Uh, Hats off and salute to John Cran, uh, a everyday listener, um, but a first-time haiku submitter. Um, So shout out to our guy, JC. He says, slow start in the first, hope arrived in the second, Tootin is a star. A star he is. He is. Uh, We got two from Peter McGee. You want to split them in half? You want one? I want one? You go first. I'll chop it over to you. Pete McGee. 
perpetually that's really impressive you used one word for the first one that's that's well done so perpetually starting down multiple scores comebacks falling short that's a summary of the season right there exactly and the other one from pete Basial does it all 99 to the end zone can he keep it up i think we all hope that he does (laughs) well ladies and gentlemen we do have a few announcements here at the top of the show Uh, first of all it is homecoming weekend now i do find that typically the last few years at least homecoming has been maroon effect you get a nice crisp october afternoon preferably a 3:30 game which is exactly what we have right now i want to say miami last year was a 3:30 north carolina in 2019 the six overtime game was most certainly a 3:30 both of those games were maroon effect now when the weekend gets going the sons of saturday are looking forward to seeing you if you are a young alumni at hokey house from 4:30 to 6:30 p.m. Uh, we're going to be doing some giveaways. We got some stickers. We got some game day game day buttons. We have some koozies to distribute at the happy hour at Hokie House. Uh, you can register on the alumni Virginia Tech alumni website. Uh, young alum, I know it's technically like you graduated within the last ten years, but uh, listen, we are down to hang out with everyone in the alumni community. So do not let that deter you if you are looking for Friday afternoon into evening plans following the homecoming happy hour at happy house, hooky house. That's that's, that is a tongue twister. (laughs) A lot of H's. We will be participating in the homecoming parade or we'll be viewing the homecoming parade. I should say from seven to 8 PM on main street. And then after that eight o'clock PM, Myself and Billy Ray will be heading over to the drill field and emceeing the Spirit Rally. I know the Arching Virginians will be there. I believe the Spirit Squads will be there. Fireworks will also be there on the drill field at the conclusion of the evening. So if you plan on watching the fireworks on the drill field, don't watch them from the pylons. Come on down to the drill field hang out by the stage, we'll be emceeing the Spirit Rally, and then you could watch the fireworks after that with us. And last thing, if you're a student or know a student, you might be a parent, you might be an aunt, you might be an uncle, sibling, cousin, neighbor, friend, we're giving away cash to students on Friday at the Spirit Rally. Um, So if you have a student acquaintance and you want to help them understand that they could win some free cash at this event, Uh, Tell them to look at our Instagram page and uh, follow their directions to enter because we're giving away a ton of free cash. Okay. Billy, do you want some free cash? So we're going to be giving away gift cards from our partners. I already said Renew and Restore. Benny's Pizza as well. Guys and gals, if you know about Virginia Tech, you know about the Virginia Slice and Benny Marzano's. And we are proud to announce a formal partnership with our friends at Benny's. If you know Benny's, you know that they're pretty much the official pizza of Virginia Tech, definitely the official pizza of downtown Blacksburg. You can get it inside Lane Stadium, which is 
perfect for your 2023 game watching experience. And the first time they're ever doing that is 2023. If you don't know about Benny's, they they were founded by Hokie alums in 2011. So we're we're running on over a decade of Benny's. Now they have 30 locations between Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and Charleston, South Carolina. You know all about the 28-inch pizza with the custom five-cheese blend. You know you got guys like Tyrod Taylor and Bruce Smith uh, making bennies and making pies in the kitchen. We all know uh, El Presidente Dave Portnoy has scored bennies twice, uh, most notably an 8.5. So we're excited to talk about this partnership. We will be stopping by bennies at some point this weekend, maybe a little bit of a uh, – a little bit of a review ourselves or something fun, but I'm fired up about this bill. $5 off of your pie. If you call in and you mention sons of Saturday at any location at Benny's, you can call them in Charleston. You can call them in Blacksburg. You can call them anywhere. You will get $5 off of your slice. Look, I don't mean, I know we're in the t-shirt business. You know, they do Duncan runs, America runs on Duncan. We need to do Hokies run on Benny's. That needs to be a t-shirt. So we're going to figure we're going to figure that out. But let's talk about this football game really quick. We're going to talk about the ins and outs of the entire weekend at the back half of the show. But just where did we tailgate? What did we do? I want to shout out Taylor Tannebaum, who gave us some phenomenal, phenomenal recommendations this weekend. Um, started off the weekend at Mad Social. Had this awesome block party going on, ended up at table 23 for dinner. Fantastic. Um, And then in the morning before the game, we went to Gordo's. We had their version of the rail. It was called a smash. Um, It was basically, what was it? Gin and like juice and like raspberry. It was, it was amazing. It was really, really good. Um, And uh just an, just an awesome, awesome time through and through. Sat in section eight in the student section. Really got to feel the vibes of the locals. You had parents in town. It was parents weekend. Uh, it was hot. Temperature was warm. Um, but yeah, we'll talk We'll talk the ins and outs of the game. That's where we watched it. Mike, where did you watch the game? So I uh, joined up with the Denver Hokies. Uh, they hung out at the hangout for every home ga- or every game, home or away, at Jackson's Lodo. Uh, in downtown Denver, it's literally across the street from Coors Field, so it's a great place to uh, great place to watch the game. They give us a nice big room with TVs and everything, at, uh, TVs and sound and everything else. And they even uh, around about the second quarter started making their own version of the rail uh, there for people to buy. And you know, for being in downtown Denver, having a nine dollar rail wasn't too bad. So <laughs> it was a, a great time, and uh, they do Denver Hokies do a great job. So the Hokies fall to Florida State 39 to 17. And we are going to start with some sons of statistics as Pat has shifted into sit down mode on his standing desk. Patrick, kick us off with some stats here. I had to flex the old standing desk. We are sitting. We are sitting now, gentlemen. Okay. So a few stats I pulled from the weekend. In losses, Virginia Tech has scored 17, 16. 17 and 17 points um 38 points and and 39 points in our two wins Mm -hmm. so you score more points than the other team you win the game i think that goes without saying but uh, a lot of these low point accumulations are due to slow starts and tech has only scored 
seven total first quarter points in the four losses that we've had and 16 total first quarter points this entire season. So we've had six first quarters and we only have, you know, two and a half points. Is that, is that math, right? Two and a half points per quarter across six games. It's not enough. In yeah, the first quarter. Not enough. That's less than a field goal. Uh, for those keeping score at home, that is not good. That's not going to win us football games. Defensively, giving up big plays, massive gash plays again. Uh, you know, felt like we had seen this uh, seen this happen so many times already in the run D. Uh, you allow one run for 62 yards and another run for 85 yards. Trey Benson, you know, still is probably running. Uh, had over 200 yards for the day on Florida state. But other than those two plays that came in the second half, Florida state only scored three points in the entire half. So, I mean, this was a game of, of you want to say it was a game of two halves, but it was really, it was a game of the first quarter versus the, the following three quarters, certainly an even game uh, following that awful start. Another stat that I wanted to uh, make sure you guys we able to hear here on the offense was our fourth down and our third down offense. We were two of 13 on third down conversions and we were three of four on fourth down conversions. Tech is actually 10 of 17 on fourth down this year, which is pretty remarkable. One that we've gone for it 17 times already. That means that we've been down a lot, but it also means that we've been in a lot of short yard situations and we've converted you know, 59% of them, which is great because uh, we have a guy named Kyron Drones who can get that first down and push the pile. Um, but also that is an extremely discouraging number on third down, two of 13. Let's see. I have two more for you. The punter on Florida State was unbelievable. He was hitting moonshots out there, uh, averaged 51 and a half yards per punt. Thankfully, we finally got him to punt at the end of the first quarter for the first time all game. And uh, Bill Roth put this in his late hits. The last time that Tech returned a kick for a touchdown was uh, 11 years ago. I can't Dimitri. believe this stat. Yeah, yeah. This, was, this was mind-blowing um, because – yeah, you think we've had so many big plays over a decade. You would hope that, you know, we would score on a on a on a kick return, but I guess, you know, we've had a few punt returns from Greg Stroman. But <laughs> Dimitri Knowles in twenty twelve against UNC was our last touchdown from a kick return. And before that, uh it was Kaishan <clears throat> Jarrett actually had one in the same season against Pitt in twenty twelve. So wild statistics statistics. Do you guys have any thoughts on the uh, the stats before we break down the offense? Real quick, Mike, I think you're probably going to say something similar. I had this for my one big thing. I just want to say this kind of with the tone of the podcast. We're 15 minutes into it. Um, I left this football game, and we're going to talk about the good, and we're going to talk about the bad on offense and defense. Um, at the end of the day, Virginia Tech got on the bus and played against, in my opinion, without a doubt, one of the five best football teams in America. Um, they're well-coached. They're fast. They're strong. Um they have a dynamic, dynamic quarterback, a fantastic defensive line. And I very much left this football game disappointed by how we came out, but impressed with how we fought back in this football game 
and impressed with how we were able to scheme up a few things, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, we're going to talk about that. Um, but I am not leaving this football game upset. I am leaving this football game realizing that there are things that we need to get better at. Um, but we continue to have a football team that when, I mean, there's no better way to put it. We were punched in the mouth in the first quarter, a hundred percent punched in the mouth. And they were able to crawl back and get you in a position where you're in an interesting game with the number five team in the country coming out of halftime. So uh, I think there are a ton of positives to take from this game. Um, I, and we're going to break down everything. I just did want to say that because of the the tone at the beginning of uh, of the show. Mike, what, what do you have? I, very similar. I think the game came down to adjustments. I think our coaching staff, for all of their somewhat seemingly flaws, uh, adjusted really, really well um, in the second, third, and fourth quarter. I think they adjusted actually better uh, in some cases than Florida State's uh, coaching staff. Um, and, um, you know, Florida State had some better athletes, you know, and it, quite obvious on the field. Uh, you looking just at the size of the players. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. But I think we had we had an opportunity to go out there and, and show what we could do and fight and battle back. I think there's a lot of positives to take out of a 22 point loss. So let's dive into the offense uh, and areas of improvement. Um, and probably the most glaring thing there would be um, the drive summary that is so beautifully illustrated here on our uh, on our Google Doc. Patrick, talk about us. Uh, talk about the beginning of this football game. Really challenging first quarter here. Uh, Virginia Tech, three plays. So I guess we'll start with Florida State. 13 plays, 75 yards, five minutes and 47 seconds off the clock and a touchdown. By the way, there's an eight there, not a seven. They did catch us napping on the two-point conversion and totally caught us asleep at the wheel. And just like that, <laughs> we were in for a rough afternoon, but more so a rough first quarter. Uh, Virginia Tech, three plays, one yard, one minute and 31 seconds punt. Florida State touchdown, seven plays, 66 yards, two minutes and 58 seconds. Virginia Tech punts after three plays and five yards, 54 seconds gone. Florida State touchdown, seven plays, 45 yards, two minutes and 16 seconds. Virginia Tech punt, three plays, three yards, minute 24. And then finally, we hold Florida State uh, and they punt after four plays for one yard. But uh, the the two-point conversion, who had the notes on the two-point conversion here? Oh, that was, yeah, that was me. I, you know, I, I used I literally used to run this all the time. Some people call it the swinging gate. Some people call it the water bucket. I, I called it the water bucket. That's what we always lined up. It's something that if you don't practice it all the time, it's not going to work. And if you if you haven't seen it before, which I hadn't seen Florida State kind of line up like this and run it yet, it's not something that you're really prepared for. If you play South Carolina against Shane Beamer, they do it every week. They do some they do something different with it every week, so you can scout for it and prepare for it. They had it lined up right. They had it man for man, kind of how you're supposed to, you know. Um, but, you know, the difference is you have a true freshman in Caleb Woodson trying to make an open field tackle on a play that he probably wasn't prepared for, probably waiting for them to shift back and, you know, just caught us off guard. But, you know, kudos for them. That was the proverbial punch in the mouth, as you guys, as you guys mentioned earlier. That was the thing that got us, that got them really kind of set the tone for the entire first quarter. Yeah, and we didn't even record a single first down in the first quarter. It was funny, Mike, because um, 
with that two point conversion, they lined up so fast. And before you know it, we, they had scored two points. We didn't even realize they weren't kicking an extra point. This is probably the team on the field, but also the fans in the stands. Like we were still kind of just looking at, at each other and be like, all right, you know, it might be a long afternoon. And all of a sudden, <laughs> Oh, they're going for two, yep. but uh, you know, good on uh, coach Norvell taking advantage of a situation there. You're on mute, Billy. I didn't realize this when we were sitting in the stands because, again, I was kind of just—I was kind of just in awe of the of the athleticism and the efficiency of Florida State. But uh, Mike, I gave you a call on my long my long drive back, and I kind of want to—I'm trying to understand the, you know, obviously you got to come out and you got to you got to play hard and you got to be ready to roll. But from a schematical perspective, I didn't really understand what we were trying to accomplish offensively out of the first three drives. When you had told me that we we threw the ball seven times in our first nine plays, and this is against you know Florida State, where if you look at Florida State, they've struggled. Tr- they've struggled. Man, I am struggling through these sentences. They have struggled to stop the run, especially against Boston College, um, and they're ranked like seventy fifth, seventy eighth in the country against the run. And coming off of the week that we had last week against Pittsburgh, you're thinking we're going to get Tootin involved. We're going to get Kyron Drones involved. We're going to try to really, really, really win the time of possession, which Virginia Tech did because they made up for it in the second and the third quarter when you're trying to crawl back into this game. But um, what did you see in terms of Tech coming out and deciding to, to, to throw the ball? I mean, again, seven of those nine first plays were, were, were passing plays. Yeah, I think sometimes you can overthink the room. Um, when you're when you're scheming game week, you can say, okay, well, you know, they struggle against the run. They think that we're going to come out and run it, so now we're going to come out and throw it. So it, you know, it's just it's one of those. I I really have trouble you know understanding sometimes what we're scouting for. Um, you know, what we're looking at in game week during film. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, I mean, they're in the position and I'm not, but you know, they 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 know football. Uh, sometimes I just wonder though, you know, if you look at the best teams in the country they don't scheme for their opponents. They run what they run and they don't, they don't adjust. They force you to stop what they do. Florida state did not scheme up anything special for us. They ran their offense and forced us to adjust on defense. You know, when when you go out and you say, okay, well, the stuff that we do best, what we've been working on all year, when that stuff doesn't work, when we when when we're saying okay we're not going to run this this week we're going to throw these short passes we're going to do x y and z you're basically telling your kids i don't believe that you guys can beat these kids so we got to come up with something funky go out and run what you run best and and hope and hope that it works and, and you know and we did that in the second and third quarter and it showed uh we you know we we got back to we got back to playing football like we did against Pitt and we were not trying to you know do do things that didn't really fit our skill set. You know, we were trying to do some quick three step three step drops and and get the ball in short passing game and their de- defensive backs were just way too good. The offensive line. Um Pat, I know you have this written down, two sacks, five tackles for loss. I am not I've been hard on the offensive line a couple of games this year. I wasn't necessarily upset by their performance. Again, this is by far, in my opinion, the best unit that this team, that this group was going to face all season. I mean, you have NFL guys all over that front seven for Florida State. 
Um, how did you think that the offensive line played uh, on Saturday? Mike, I'm sorry. Oh, Mesa. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, honestly, I think the uh, I think the offensive line played well. I mean, there were a few times where we converted third and short, um, you know, by running the ball up the middle. Uh, we you know, we, we were able to kind of get some some different things going in some different places. We ran that toss play up. We did against Pitt uh, in the second and third quarter. Uh, started to move some things around. There's definitely room for improvement. We got to stop the mental errors and the pre-snap penalties and some things like that. But it's it would it's not excellent. There's definitely room where are definitely things where you could see that they were they were improving over uh, week over week. Um, I do think um, you know Brody Meadows had that really bad um, holding call there at the end of the game uh, that deleted that Gosnell catch. But it was a but. He even played well. He provides a little bit of a spark, especially because uh, uh, Braylon Moore is, is still banged up a little bit. But, you know, notice all of our runs, though. A lot of our running was to the left side. Uh, we're kind of staying away from that troublesome right side that where we kind of seem to kind of struggle a little bit more. Pat, you got to talk about Kyron Drones. Yeah, I think um, we, we we had a lot of upside out of Kyron on – Saturday there were a couple times that uh it did seem like he was missing guys who were running wide open deep I know Daquan Felton was wide open on the flea flicker play that uh, drones was looking for Daquan right on and then there was another deep play where Jalen Lane was uh, running wide open towards the end zone uh, I couldn't find it on the condensed game but we didn't really take that many deep shots all game. You know, I, there, I know that there was that uh, third down play where we tried to hit Felton uh, down the sideline. It was made an awesome catch, but it was ruled out of bounds. Um, yeah. You know, other than that, I still think there's a lot of upside out of Kyron drones. I think I still think there's a lot of upside out of this offense. Shifting over to the good side of things, um, let's talk some positives. The running game was incredible, and that, that's where the offensive line really shined. Had a season-high 209 rushing yards on Saturday, six yards per carry. If you could have told me that we would run for 209 yards in a football game, at Doe Campbell against this Florida State team after that Purdue game where we had 11 rushing yards. I probably wouldn't have believed you. Um, but it starts with the running back room. I mean, Facial Tootin just sets the tone. He's a dude, and he's really been shining. I say it every single week uh, in the receiving game, and it opens it up for them to run the ball up the middle and around the edge. Uh, but he had eight carries for 23 yards and a touchdown. Uh, his touchdown run on the toss play was exceptional. Four catches for 25 yards. And then obviously his 99-yard touchdown reception or uh, kick return that we missed. We were actually in the concourse. We had just uh, gone over by Osceola and gotten a picture in front of Osceola. And we went back in um, to the concourse just to kind of hang out in there for a little bit. And all of a sudden... Um, Vic comes down. He's like, dude, we just scored a kick return. I thought, he was, entire... I thought he was joking. I literally, I literally yeah. thought he was kidding, like trying to get us to come back outside. Um, I, like nobody saw it when we got back, when we got it back into the stands. I couldn't, uh, 
we're telling it. we're telling all the hooky fans that we're seeing in the concourse at halftime you know we're buying a beer meanwhile like they're out of water and they're out of light beer so all they had was this oyster bay i think what it was called like their local brewery this ipa which was just a you know prescription for a headache but i'm standing That's there with my thought. ipa and uh <laughs> and uh, going around to every single tech fan don't let us score first here don't let us score first you know we're right back in it if we score here you know and how many times have we just been sipping on that hopium and we go out we miss the kicker turn but uh just to keep talking about the running backs malachi thomas had his best game looked good in a really long time in a really long time 10 carries 58 yards was bursting through the middle uh, also had that long reception where it looked like he almost could have broken it uh, for a score, got tripped up um, on one of the linemen. And then Bryce Duke, albeit a fumble, had some, uh, had a few uh, hard runs there at the end in garbage time. Kyron Drones really was a threat again, running for first downs, uh, running for big chunks of yardage. He had the long of 40. He had a total of 80 yards on 14 runs so the running game really opened up uh, some areas of uh, our offense it's great to see Jalen lane look healthy again uh, you know losing him and jennings in the same game and not really having a healthy Jalen lane over the past few weeks has definitely limited our offense a little bit on that but, point uh, mike uh, or, uh, pat mike you mentioned this to me um on the drive Jalen lane kyron drones basial tootin Tech spent a lot of time in the portal and all of the guys that we had gotten were quite frankly, everybody's like, Oh, well, this guy's from this school. I'm not sure he can compete at the ACC. Oh, this guy hasn't started yet. I'm not sure if he's ready for the ACC. These are all dudes that came in and played against a top five program and did not look outmatched at all. No, no, those, those guys are, they're, they're ballers. I mean, they, you know, they, they show up when the lights come on. You know, when that when that whistle blows, they're they're ready to roll. It's a lane. I, I would have I would actually love to have had to know what we would have had against Rutgers and Marshall with with Allie Jennings in the lineup. And, you know, then the crazy thing, you know, while we're talking about this in Jennings, I believe, has a covid year left. Every single person that played in the game on offense is coming back or can come back. Um, so at the, at the skill positions, especially there is an opportunity <laughs> to have a, have some serious experience coming back in the skill positions. I also have my notes here. Just uh, looks like drones is getting better each week. I know he's, he's still struggling in some components of the passing game. Uh, it looked like he was, I, I thought he was personally on the run a lot this game um we were pretty lucky to only get sacked two times uh because you know you got a guy like uh verse jared verse or uh it's a jared jevin he's good i don't know yeah, who he is. He's he's i think it's jared, jared verse. he's <laughs> unbelievable albany transfer was running down drones all game was just i mean he's gonna be a you know a top a top 10 top 15 pick but uh, 14 of 27, 104 yards, you know, obviously not game-breaking stats. We weren't really able to establish much in the passing game. That's the best defensive front he's going to face all year. Uh, other defensive or uh, other positives I saw on offense, we didn't have any turnovers. 
prior to the chance black fumble in garbage time, you know, we're not letting turnovers be the reason that we're losing football games, taking care of the football. Also, I wrote down the Steven Gosnell catch was a euphoric moment. Even though <laughs> it was called back for a hold, uh, but that was, that was absolutely crazy. He went full on extendo mode to come down with that. Uh, and then, you know, we, we see the, awesome. uh, the yellow flag. That was brutal. But I know, um, I know you had a few notes here, Mike. Yeah, just and another bright spot for the offense was, you know, as as the kids say, Tyler Bowen got in his bag again. It was a yeah, and and I say that with the caveat that you know came out slow, but we made adjustments and we kind of threw some wrinkles in there. We changed up the personnel groupings. We had we had both Tootin and Thomas on the field at the same time. Uh, which was really big. We were able to put people in motion, get linebackers out of the box and do all that kind of stuff to kind of open up some of those holes in the middle. Um, we did some interesting stuff in the, in the screen game. Uh, Pat, I think you mentioned it before, that screen to Malachi Thomas. That's what I'm breaking down on this week's Hokie hitter, by the way. Um, that'll, be, that'll be coming later this week. Um, but we kind of we did some quick shots to the outside against some soft, get some soft coverage. Um, and that's really kind of an extension of the run game, being able to get the ball to receivers, you know, in, in the flats and in space and let them go make plays. And, you know, uh, Tootin scored on one of those where he hurdled the defender going in the end zone. Um, you know, it was, it was uh, some stuff that we hadn't done previously this year, uh, but it was a, but it was something where, you know, Bowen, even though he came out slow, came out flat, uh, we kind of got into a flow there and uh, were able to make things happen. You know, I'm glad you bring up that time of possession stat. I know every week Sam Jesse tweets out some of the uh, the analytics on football games where it's, did we really get beat that bad? It's the net success rate. And the net success rate in, in week six, there was a pretty thin margin between Florida State and Virginia Tech. Uh so I know time of possession probably has a lot to do with that, um, that statistic. But just to quote Sam's tweet, for the fourth of six games, scoreboard was not reflective of how the Hokies played on a play-by-play basis. It's really just explosive plays that are the detriment to this ball club right now. I think yeah. that's a good I'm sorry, go ahead, Bill. No, you go ahead, Mike. We're about to shift to defense, so you got one more. Uh, so, uh, that's all right. I was just about to say that, um, you know, even with that time of possession, you know, we had the ball 31 minutes, but that that also, that 31 minutes includes that nine, the nine plays, and I can't, what was the math? It was nine plays in like two and a half game minutes, mm-hmm. you know, that we that we had the ball in that first quarter. So, we you, know, you take out that first quarter, we really, truly dominated time of possession for the rest of the game, which which helped us, you know, keep their offense off the field. You know, I want to talk a little bit about, and we're shifting over to the defense. We're talking about things that need to get better. Can you talk to me a little bit because that uh, the backbreaking run at the end of the game um, that was so similar to the play that we saw against Rutgers from a schematical perspective? What exactly is happening? Because a lot of the folks, um, you may have been sitting next to somebody that said this. You may have been the person saying it yourself. It's very easy to watch that and say. Oh, well, they just gave up. They just let go of the rope. And that's not necessarily what it was. Um, what did you see on that on that long uh that long play right after the uh after the fourth down failed conversion? 
Yeah, so so that play it was a it was a stretch run play to the out to the to their right side defensive left. Um, it looked like Powell Ryland was lined up inside of the tackle, and so he was our end man on the line of scrimmage, and he was already given up the outside. It looked like in alignment uh, to the offensive tackle, and so he had a linebacker outside of him. And once the ball was handed off, they both crashed down to the inside, which made the block for the wide receiver super easy you just take them where they want to go where they're already going and we were able to get to the edge so there was just no contain there was nobody left on the outside to to even help contain um and i granted that was to i believe it was to the short side of the field um so i can kind of understand that a little bit you know because you're you're thinking that they're going to run something to the field to the wide side but just like in that rutgers game uh it was having no contain on the outside losing that leverage and it's just it's so easy with you know with some of our linebackers and some of our defensive linemen that are smaller in stature to just get completely washed down and out of the way. So it, it wasn't that it wasn't like it was a I don't wouldn't say it was the wrong defense called or anything like that. I think it was just we got washed down by a bigger, stronger dude. We've talked about it um, ad nauseum. And um, one thing before I get to this point. Uh, Great teams, national championship contending football teams, answer the bell. Florida State did that with a knockout punch after the fourth downfield conversion. They also did that after the kick return. They go 75 yards in 28 seconds uh, and score a touchdown. But, Pat, who led the team in tackles this week? Who led the team in tackles this week and what position does he play? Here we go again. A guy that got ejected in the third quarter for targeting led the team in tackles again. A guy from our third line of defense led the team in tackles again. Jalen Stroman, we know he's a baller. Ten tackles, missed a good chunk of the end of the game. But if we want to stop the run, we cannot have our safeties leading the team in tackles. It's like a broken record. Here we go again. That was, it's never that was anti-safety. Tough. It's not anti-Stroman. It's not, it's not me picking on Stroman. It's very simple math, and I will say it every week that it happens. If your leading tackler is starting the play 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage, you are probably not playing very well unless you have some sort of Georgia Tech fuller situation where he is playing up on the line of scrimmage. And in fact, Jalen Stroman was not playing on the line of scrimmage. So, um, you know, that is just a statistic that that drives me absolutely crazy when you have one safety or – it's happened this year as well, where you have three defensive backs in the top five of tackling. It is just not a recipe for success. Um, and again, gave our props, gave our flowers to the defensive line last week because they played fantastic. I understand that it is a big mismatch against a team like Florida State, who consistently is getting some of the best offensive linemen in the country. But you you simply cannot operate at this clip, especially when you have an offense that struggles to score points. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to be able to stop the run until our linebackers can consistently get off those blocks. And, you know, just to talk about Jalen Stroman, we say this every week too. <laughs> targeting sucks. Dude. Losing Stroman for the first half of the Wake Forest game. Oh my that's going to suck. He's so important back there. Uh, he is an integral part of our defensive unit. Uh, but you got to call targeting both ways. Like I, I, do we love the car, the targeting call on Stroman? 
No, not really. But if you're going to call it, call it both ways. On Kyron Jones's run in the second quarter where he scampered for 40 yards, pretty much the exact same thing happened in, you know, a no call on the Florida State side of the ball. Um, I had a, I had a great moment with, uh, <clears throat> with our friend in the stands from Florida State. Uh, was rocking a mustache, a fellow fellow brother and mustache. Um, Florida State benefits from a targeting call, and the guy immediately is just like, "I'm never going to cheer for this. This is not football. It drives me nuts." Um, and again, there are times where you have to call it, and I understand from the letter of the law there are certain situations, but like it is so difficult. I caught a lot of heat the other week when I basically stood up for the safety who hit Logan Thomas in the end zone. Um, but when you have, when your job and you're taught all season long to jar the ball loose, to get the quarterback down and you're able to get uh, Jordan Travis, by the way, if there's a Heisman, this is not me making fun of him. This is, this is just good on him. He's an incredible slider. Like his ability to make it look like he's going to keep running and oh. drop and change yeah. his level. He, he is elite at sliding. I think it was. I think it might have been the broadcast. Were they talking about it on the broadcast how he was like a baseball player? Did they he, say that? He like is an elite times? slider. An elite he is slider. Very good yeah. at sliders. Yes. 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 Um, but yeah, I'll never root for targeting if it if it benefits us. If it if it hurts us, I I, I hate it. Speaking <laughs> of officiating, though, Florida State did benefit a few times from from some spotted balls. And I know one was a little bit more egregious than the other. I think the Malachi Thomas third quarter, where it appeared to have had the first down at second and five, he goes for about five and a half. They call it down third and one. We fumble on the next play, lose two. That was the worst. And then we're forced to punt after a delay of game. Can I say something about that delay of game? Thank God we got called for the delay of game because if we go for it, the Hokies are not going. I'm just going to say the Hokies are not covering that game if we if we go for it and don't convert on that uh, on that fourth down. But no, I mean it, it completely changes the dynamic of the game. Not not getting rewarded that first down. I mean, you could also make the argument: okay, we do get it on fourth and three, and we go sure. down and, and score on that drive. So sure. I don't know. I don't know if that's a great argument. To be honest, fair enough. Uh, the other spot was the fourth and 22. Kyron Drones makes an incredible effort. Unbelievable. Uh, you know, and is racing towards the sideline. If you look at the, if you look at the screen, I don't know. He, he extended. It looked like he could have gotten the first down. Of course, as it happens, when the Hokies are on the road, they cut to commercial and the ref says, we're not reviewing that. And all of a sudden, it's a turnover on downs. I thought if they had given it another look or given it another angle, I would have loved to see if he had gotten the first down. Mike, did they give any any sort of of replay or any benefit of the doubt to Kyron Drones on that, or did they just no, say, "Oh, of course they ball"? Because of what, and I think it's because of where the official uh, spotted the ball. They spotted him a full yard short, so mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't even. And, and the guy that was – he was trailing the play by 10 yards. So he re- so it was really hard for him to see. He spotted the ball a yard short and immediately signaled first down the other way. They didn't talk about it on the broadcast at all, like he might have gotten it. It was more like, hey, let's get out of here. Let's We got another game coming on. I, I was where, we were, where we were, 
Yeah, it looks really close. I was we were... originally I was originally gonna zag it, but then when I went back and I watched the watched the condensed game and talked to some folks who had seen the game, it doesn't even appear that they had taken a look at it. Um, and that whole like that entire like segment of the game was so like Chaos. crazy. Like you had penalties, you had sideline warnings, you had it felt like we were on fourth down five or six times, and it was yeah. like this this exorcism of like hold on, Florida State's kind of still in control of the game. Is Virginia Tech going to make this more of a stomachache for Florida State? Um, and uh, again, a Herculean effort by Kyron Drones to even make that remotely questionable if Virginia Tech does get it. And again, that's the dynamic that he adds to this team. Um, but that that was just such a <laughs> was such a wild couple of minutes with the penalties and, and everything else happening. But um, yeah, Pride spoke about it in his in his presser. And I would... Let's go on a soliloquy here, but I do encourage you to to listen to Coach Pry's presser. Um, I thought it was fantastic. Um, thought he was very upfront of uh, the issues that we faced, what he saw that went really well. Um, I, I'm not going to say that I enjoyed his press conference. I don't. <laughs> I'm not a press conference truther here, um, but it was. Uh, uh, it's definitely worth the listen if you had not heard it yet. Yeah. Mike, anything else on the offense? Or I'm sorry, on the defense. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, looking at the at the defensive line. Um, it's something that, you know, I know that you guys have talked about before. Um, but the we get upfield so fast, and I guess it's because we're we're pretty quick. We're slender and we're quick on the defensive line. We don't have too many super big guys, but we get way upfield, out of control, losing the gap integrity. You know, all those key words that it, that you know coaches like to talk about. But when that happened, that's what allowed Jordan Travis to get out. Our, our our secondary was covering guys downfield pretty good. He was having to get to his second and third reads, make his progressions. And eventually, because we were so far upfield in our rush, we gave him lanes to take off and run. So, you know, that all those you know times that Jordan Travis got out of the pocket and was able to use his legs and everything else, keep those drives going. A couple times that happened on a third down, you know, you know, we that was because we just you know, uncontrollably rushed upfield. Um, you know, so that though that that really bothers me on the defensive line. You know, and we're going to have to really rein that in. You know, this week. You know, I know this isn't the the preview, but when we play that slow mesh against Wake Forest, we got to control that. Um, and uh, linebackers. You know, every, you know when we we talked about the play earlier that that back breaking run. You know, a lot of times our linebackers, we we're not big, we're very slender. Um, you know, you know, coaches call it light in the ass. You know, we just to say you say that all the time. But these, you know, they just don't have a whole lot of weight to them, a lot of build, and so and that comes with age and experience, and you got to spend time in the program to get through all that. But when those those guards and tackles get to that second level and get to those linebackers. There's no way we can fight off those blocks. We just don't. You're talking about uh, what is um, Alan? Alan Tisdale was a running back at Page High School in Greensboro, North Carolina. You know, he was. I mean, he was. He's he's tall, but he's slender. Same thing with Kelly Lawson. You know, and you're talking about those guys that are you know 225, and you got a 330 pound guard coming at them. It's it's not even a challenge. And so, you know, it, it's just it's very difficult for you know to be able to get off those blocks. Shifting over to the uh, to the good from the defense, um, I know you're going to talk about this, Mike. Extremely impressed 
by the defensive backs. I mean, we came in and we talked about, again, a Heisman contending quarterback, a really, really stacked wide receiver room for Florida State. And um, we kind of made fun of our stat of being a top 10 pass defense team. Um, But they played really, really well in the back half against Florida State. Yeah, they uh, held Coleman to five catches. I think Wilson had four catches before he went out. Now, two of those catches were touchdowns. But other than the one long pass, I think it was to Paul that was uh, a 30-yarder, we didn't give up the big, deep shot. You know, um, even like we did against Pitt, um, we didn't give up that that long, deep ball. I mean, those guys played – they played their tails off. And, you know, Delane in that very first drive on Wilson, who's 6'7", had that flying pass breakup where he kind of jumped, he jumped right over top of him, knocked it down strong, a couple big plays, you know, the one touchdown that uh, Wilson had in the corner of the end zone where he was matched up on canteen. I mean, that's six, seven on five, nine, five, 10. I mean, that's just, that's, that's just difficult no matter who you are. And, you know, but I think the defensive backs, you know, held their own, even when Stroman went down and granted, you know, at that point of the game, they were running the ball more, but those guys had a, um, had a great game. Great day. Defensive line as well recorded two sacks. Um, Let's do a little mid season check in here on some numbers. So checked out, excuse me, an NCAA website here. So through six games, trying to figure out who exactly Virginia Tech is, um, starting with areas that absolutely need to improve. Virginia Tech is 120th in rush defense, allowing 195 yards per game. We've talked ad nauseum about the issues in the in the run rush defense here. Um, this was a baffling, baffling stat. It uh, came from Barrett Saley. So there are four teams who have given up points every single time an opponent enters the red zone. We talk about the Coach Foster mentality of bend but don't break defense. Those four teams are Penn State, 7 of 7, Kansas, 21 of 21, Cal, 22 of 22, and Virginia Tech, 14 of 14. If you get the ball in the red zone against Virginia Tech, you are walking away with points. Um Simply cannot happen. Have to find a way to cut that down. Uh, I, I kind of was uh, giving Pat giving Pat a hard time about this. Anytime a team would get the ball within you know the forty yard line, it'd be you know it'd be great here as an interception or a fumble or something, or like just any type of off rhythm uh, off rhythm uh, interruption here. Um, but we have to find a way to keep teams from scoring points when they drive the ball down the field. Um, and you saw Florida state had several drives in the double digits of plays and they're finishing with points. And that's just demoralizing when it happens every single time. Um, Virginia tech, we raved about this after the old dominion game. It was an issue that plagued this team last year. And it seems to kind of remain constant here. We're averaging 60 yards of penalties per football game. Have to clean that up have to be better with alignment assignment and staying uh you can't put yourself behind the chains offensively or defensively um quite simply too many penalties that's 95th in the country now flipping the page to the good virginia tech still top 10 in passing yards allowed 159 per game top 20 in punt return a lot of people like to make fun of our special teams coordinator we scored a touchdown on a punt return for the first time in over a decade um on saturday and our part return unit has been solid. Tucker Holly has been doing a great job back there um, since taking back over that role. We have a running back. We have a quarterback um, who the team rallies behind. And I do want to 
I know I mentioned him a lot in these podcasts. I watched him specifically a lot in this football game. Um, and people were kind of, it's actually good this came up. A lot of people took that screen grab of of Grant Wells grabbing Basial Tootin by the face. Um, I know, I don't know what was said. No, I wasn't on the sideline. That was, in my opinion, the camera probably catching him messing around with him and having a having a funny moment. That's probably what it was. I don't think Grant Wells and Basial Tootin were fighting each other on the side of the uh, on the sideline. Um, but Grant Wells. Every single time Kyron Drones is on the field, he's completely engaged. He's on the headset. He's got a clipboard out there. He's talking to Kyron when he comes off the field. So he's being a really supportive teammate. But um, back to what we have, a quarterback that the team rallies behind, a running back Malachi Thomas seems to have come on here again. Um, and um, from a skill position standpoint, those guys are getting better and they do not look outmatched. Um, and this was a game where we were going to go out and – not a lot of people, if anybody, expected us to win this game. We just wanted to see how we looked against a top five football team. And all things considered, I walk away with this game. I'm not obviously happy with the loss, but I am impressed with the battle of the team. And I do believe that it was a step in the correct direction for Virginia Tech football. Yeah, and uh, also the... One thing that you can't really I mean, there's a whole bunch of stats here, but there's some intangibles. There's the fact that, and this is the same thing that happened last year. And I don't know if this is a result of, you know, Coach Pry is a calm guy. He's He doesn't really get too hot. He doesn't really get too up or too down on the sideline. You know, just kind of, you know, every once in a while, he'll sit and take out his pen, jot something down, something doesn't go right. But the team doesn't quit. They don't seem to feel pressure. And that could be good or could be bad. I mean, it could be bad. Maybe that's why we come out flat because we're so mellowed out. We're not, you know, jacked up to get ready to go play football. But it could. But it's also when the game gets going and things start to get into the flow, man. The I, it seems like the 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 team really kind of carries that calm mentality around. We don't freak out. Um, we we don't do things that are crazy. We don't try to throw it deep three downs in a row when we're down 15. We just kind of run our offense. We go downfield. We try to make plays on defense as best we can. And, you know, while it might appear sometimes to be flat on the sidelines, I think there needs to be kind of a mix between having that calm demeanor, which is really positive, that pry exudes. But but also we need to figure out a way to come out of the locker room and get fired up a little bit. Pat's Blue Ribbon time. So, Mike, you were just talking about the fight. This team's got fight. This team's got spirit. They don't quit. No matter how many first quarter points they are down, they are fighting in the third and fighting in the fourth. So I wanted to give it to this team for having fight. Uh, Pat's Blue Ribbon, we give it out every week because there's blue ribbons in only one stadium in America in the entire sphere of college football. It's Lane Stadium. It's the only stadium that you can buy Pabst Blue Ribbon. Pick it up at the Bennies in the southeast corner of Lane Stadium uh, below the east stands. But, yeah, I mean, I got to give it to the fight of this team. I saw a lot of fight on Saturday, and there was actually a lot of fights going on. Now, if, if you know Billy Ray <laughs> – if you know Billy Ray, you know that he's spending a lot of time fighting trolls on Twitter. There's a lot of <laughs> lot of X, lot of uh, folks on the X machine that like to give him the business. Well, Billy was given 
a guy the business on Saturday in the stands, the cowboy guy with the overalls. And uh, that man had the low ground, and he knew that what he was about to do can't fight, can't can't try to fight the Mitchell men and expect to win. So Look, he, picked, uh, he, 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 he walked picked, away with his tail between his legs. I I I am so I'm so glad you brought this up because look I am I am so anti like I'm always good for a little jab like like nice little back and forth and maybe you ask for it by sitting in the student section I didn't pick the tickets and I loved our seats we had great seats but um yeah this cowboy guy just starts chirping my dad for being old and he's like what are you on AARP and my brother if you think I go zero to ten my brother goes zero to 500 and he immediately is directly in this guy's face um and um long story short he did end up moving down five rows um so um but look i don't i don't want any beef with anybody we're there to watch a football game um you know frat daddy frank who had the cowboy hat on he probably did some push-ups before the game put some keels on in the shower like the way that he looked um, but look, we don't need, we don't, we don't need animosity. We try to, and, and for the most part had a phenomenal, phenomenal experience at Florida state. So Frat. don't hurt my dad. He's not on AARP. Um, and he would still whoop you up and down the stands if he needed to. So I was going to say, um, you don't, you don't really want to mess with, with, uh, three Mitchells in one place. They will, <laughs> they will throw you out of the state. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was funny. Cause we were like in the student section, but we weren't, we were like where it begins and where it ends. Um, I don't even know how how uh, how we got there, but it was like right on the edge of it. Is this time we can talk about this because this isn't necessarily unique to uh, kind of our weekend. Do you want to just talk really quickly about kind of the environment at Doak Campbell? Um, a, a couple of things that I thought were a little bit different. Um, first of all, the stadium is beautiful. It's huge. It's it's a spectacle. You absolutely need to go. Chief Osceola, the horse. It's a beautiful horse. I've never renegade, seen renegade, dude. I've, I've it, never, I've never seen such a good-looking horse. I mean, it's, it's like a, it's like a Dalmatian horse. It's like a Dalmatian cow horse. It's, 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 un, it's unbelievable. Appaloosa. Uh, Tappaloosa. It, it's a, it's a beautiful horse. Um, the, the area around the stadium, they don't have like a true lot one situation. So we did an entire lap around the stadium before the game. And there aren't like parking lots that are right in front of the stadium. So it's a little, it's kind of, dare I say, like dead around the stadium, unless you're coming in from that Madison social side. Um, And the other thing that it really, really reminded me of from a pageantry level, a spectacle level and a loudness level, it reminded me of Notre Dame. Chief Osceola was really awesome. The chop was really awesome. But I never – there was one time in the game where I was like, okay, it's pretty loud, and it was the third and 22 or third and 25 because the game was very much kind of still in contention at that point. Did you feel the same way? I think it's the way the stadium's built. It just wasn't overwhelmingly loud. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't stoop to the level of Notre Dame. Notre Dame is – A little library-like, yeah. yeah. Notre, Dame, Notre Dame is library. They're like, you know, bookstore. Um yeah, you got you got the folks at the Starbucks yelling out the orders, you know. <laughs> but the uh I mean, it's not it's not gonna get loud for a three thirty game against against one and three or two and four Virginia Tech. It's gonna get loud against Miami, it's gonna get loud against Florida. It was a lot louder in, in twenty eighteen when we were there and we were ranked and they were ranked and it was Labor Day night. Um, but you know, the, the average three thirty game at Florida State is different than the average three thirty game at Lane Stadium. And I think most stadiums that, you know, we go to around the country are 
probably similar other than, you know, a stadium like LSU or Florida that, or like Texas A&M that are historically known to be on the levels of Lane Stadium, you know, Clemson. Florida State, I don't think, is really in that category or has that reputation of being a loud stadium. Tallahassee itself reminded me a lot of Baton Rouge. I'm pretty sure Baton Rouge is – is Baton Rouge the capital of Louisiana? Is that true? It is. It is. Okay, yes. So the town of Tallahassee really reminded me of Baton Rouge. Um, But, no, I mean, if you haven't been to a game at Florida State, strongly, strongly recommend. We'll get into kind of the festivities that weren't – that weren't involved in the stadium, which were, which were a ton of fun, but um, all around good experience. The folks sitting around us, I don't, I don't know where they got them. We had like two or three people in the stands with us who had full blown, like Rydell team issued uh, helmets, which was hilarious. I don't know. I don't know where they got them. Uh, I asked them if they stole them. They said, stop asking. So I stopped asking. (laughs) Um, Let's jump into, uh, into letters from the lunch pail here. Our first question comes from Jonathan Dotson. He says, when it comes to allowing explosive run plays, how do you divvy up the blame between coaching, talent, and injuries slash inexperience? Mike Holmes, this one's for you. Hey, uh, so you can blame coaching only in alignment. At the end of the day, it's up to the players to go make plays. You know, and if it's the if it's a result of coaching that they don't know what their responsibilities are, but at Power five, division one level college football, I highly doubt that. Um, at, at some point, it's got to be up to the players to be able to understand their role and responsibility and to be able to go make plays. Now, with that being said, and something we already talked about, we're not a very big defense, um, you know, size-wise. We can get pushed around fairly easily, and that leads to some of those big runs. Our linebackers can make plays in space all day long. You get you get Kelly Lawson out on the edge with nobody on him. He's bringing a guy down. You know, it, you know, we get some get something in space. We can make that happen. Our stats it makes it look like we have a really really bad run defense if you look at just the numbers, but the one or two big runs every game really skew those stats. You know that we mentioned it before. You take out the and again you can't do that because it's obviously all part of the game. But if you were to take out some of the the chunk runs and the chunk plays. Every week that we have given up, we're a two and a half yard per rush def- uh, rush defense. We're not super. We're not super bad. We just have those mental lapses and the times where we get washed down. Now again, I don't have any stats to back that up. I don't know that for sure. But <laughs> but I but you know it. But you know there is. I would love to be able to look at that. But I really do think it's a. It's not just a coaching thing and it's not just a player's thing i think there's a lot of different factors that go into it but you know bottom line is you know stats make it look worse than it really is and these kids are all young with the exception of the two guys in the middle and uh i think we're going to get keep getting better as long as they get the weight room in the offseason next question it was kind of like a question and a thought combined i saw a tweet from al jones and then rich luttenberger uh, submitted a letter so i want to read them together uh, al jones who just turned 30 by the way happy birthday to our guy al jones he says if we win the next two at home versus wake in syracuse then we head into the final four game stretch sitting at 500 you know you take two it's two of four you're bull eligible uh 
I mean, we'd be in a great position if we can mm-hmm. win the next two at home. We get a bye week to, to prep for Syracuse. Wake Forest is not a world beater. They did hang in there with Clemson, but you know we do have uh, we have the guys coming back, and I think we have some momentum on our side. Rich says, if getting to a bowl is still the goal, where do you see four more wins? I think most people would tell you that two of the wins are these next two games. Syracuse got blown away by UNC last week. Wake Forest has not done anything special this year. We have them both at home. Uh, I think that if there's one thing that Coach Pry wants to do, it's win when Hokie Nation is there mm-hmm. in Lane Stadium. Um, so I'm saying two of those wins are the next two games. And then as you turn the page to November – you have at Louisville, which I'm just chalking up as a loss right now. I mean, that's going to be They're very good. Notre Dame had a really tough time on Saturday. Um, I don't know how we're going to stop that running back, Pat. <laughs> yeah, no, that's going to be a, what you guys saw on Saturday. You know, maybe something similar if we don't, you know, make the uh, the necessary adjustments. And then after Louisville, it is Boston College on the road. You know, which should be favorable for Virginia Tech but uh, at this point in the year we don't know what we can do on the road and Boston College always kind of seems to be one of those uh uh-oh games especially up at Alumni Stadium and then the final two NC State at home which is a winnable game and then UVA which is also a winnable game so I'm chalking up as the next two UVA and then between Boston College and Louisville I'm sorry, uh, between Boston College and NC State, if we split those one and one, you know, we can get our sixth win. Yeah, it's um, – I said this going into the season that this year is really interesting because you play a lot of games against teams who are not going to be significantly more talented than you. It's really going to come down to, like, does our team know how to win? Are they going to know what they do well? And how are we going to execute? Um I think it just is really unfortunate scheduling to play Florida state when we played them. Like if I could have picked this game up and moved it to literally any other place on our schedule, I would have loved the opportunity to do that. Um, You kick off, you kick off ACC play with Pittsburgh, you get the job done and then, you know, you got to go in, you got to face a buzzsaw and then, you know, you got to play a little bit of catch up here. So Look, I think every game, like you said, for the exception, there's no game that isn't winnable, but Louisville is 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 on the – is as surprisingly as this sounds, a national title contender. They have a quarterback who is now in the Heisman contention race. Um, so, look, it's going to be interesting. There's a lot of, lot of fun football to play. We're on the road a ton in November, uh, considering how you chalk up playing at Scott Stadium on November, and 20, November 25th. But, um, look, it's going to be fun. I think – Forget what the record is. Forget everything else. We're fighting for a bowl game. And I I still believe that should be the goal for this season. And people should be fired up if we make a bowl game this year. Um, So I I would love to see it happen. And I think it's very much possible. Yeah, I mean, looking at important. Looking at November, we have three road games. This would actually be Coach Pry's first opportunity to win a Power 5 game on the road. It might not come until Virginia. Um, I don't think we'll surprise Louisville, but – uh, you know, keep an eye on that Boston College game. Mm-hmm. Would be a major statement win for us to go up to Chestnut Hill and beat Boston College uh, after um, you know two weeks in a row on the road. Mm-hmm. 
Tom Persinger, does Pry need to take or retake control of play calling or at the very least game planning for Marv? So I have a pretty my thought my thoughts on this are I think that Pry's ability and his attention this year to managing and talking to Kyron drones when he comes off the football field and being able to be involved with the entire team is so pivotal. You saw him the minute that coach Pry is not going to be able to go talk to Kyron drones after he has the fumble in the Pittsburgh game. If he is then going to need to call the defense. Um, I love the fire and the energy and the juice that I saw out of coach Pry this week against Florida state, whether it was, running onto the field, protecting his guys when his quarterback got hit in the head. Um, I think that Coach Pry brings a ton to the defensive side of the ball, but I do think that that needs to be kept between Sunday and Thursday and allow him to focus more on the football team on Saturdays. Um, that's just my opinion. Um, I'd love to hear, uh, to hear what you think, Mike. You know, it's it's always it's always easy to kind of point fingers at coordinators a lot of times, um, and I think we've done that a little bit today too. Uh, when we were talking about you know what are what are we looking at when we scheme every week and look on what we see on film, but as far as the defense goes, there's only been a handful of times where I you know I've, I've looked at the looked at the film and been like, hey, what are we doing? You know, how are we lined up? You know, like that Rutgers big Rutgers run. You know, a couple times where I'm like, you know, how are we lined up this way? For the most part, we're in the position, right? You know, you know, like we're in. We're Marv has done his job of getting the guys in position. You know, he can't get, snap his fingers and make Kelly Lawson and Alan Tisdale gain twenty pounds. Like it's it's not something you know where where they're not getting pushed around by interior linemen. You know, it's a it. You can't blame Marv for that. He's got us in the right spot. It's up to us to. It's up to the players to make plays, and at that point. Yeah, I think this, this sounds so rudimentary. I think the biggest leap that Virginia Tech needs to take right now are when we play on Saturday, Monday to Friday. How are we scheming up what we're doing? How sure are our players of where they need to line up and who they're going against? Um, to me, that is where we need to make our biggest stride because I, I truly believe that Virginia Tech gets better as the game goes on, especially offensively. Um, as they kind of feel the game out. So, um, you know, I, I do think that Marv has taken some of the numbers are not great. I'm not, I'm not arguing with people on that. Um, but I, I have not seen a direct correlation between the defense that we are calling versus the numbers that our defense is putting up. So, um, I, I, I would say that I would prefer to keep coach, uh, coach Pry as a ball coach than a, than a coordinator and a ball coach. That's just my opinion. Next question comes from Brad Bailey. Please explain why we are so vulnerable to an off-tackle run. I mean, no one is touching some of these running backs. I'm going to give this to you, Mike, um, but I've said it since the beginning of the season. Like, we have done such a poor job with contain. If it's in the pass game, if it's in the run game, um, teams just seem to be able to get out on the edge at will. Yeah, and and really, a lot of that is alignment. And it's it's a lot of – I think I mentioned this uh, or may have mentioned this earlier, but I uh, wrote it down somewhere. 
we, you know, a lot of times we're looking for other guys to make plays. We're sitting around waiting around for somebody else to go make the play. But as far as what you're talking about with contain, you know, that in man on the line, or if it's an outside linebacker coming down who, if we got a pinch on or something like that, that guy cannot, cannot, cannot turn his shoulders to the inside. And, and a lot of times that's what's happening. We're, we're just, we're just, getting our bodies rotated and we're getting washed down into the middle of the field and there's nobody. And the only people left are the guys on the back end. And, you know, and if it's something where the wide receivers are clearing people out, you know, and they're 15, 20 yards downfield, it looks a lot worse than it is. You know, there's, I know they work on it. I know they call on it, but sometimes, you know, as a player, you know, you're, you're APR and you're sitting there you're playing the five technique and you're on the end of the line. You see what looks like an interior run. You know how much we've struggled in the run mentally. You're like, oh, I got to go make a play. And so he kind of forgets his assignment, crashes down inside, hoping to make a play. They bounce it out, take it to the house. Mm-hmm. You know, li- I mean, little things like that happen all the time. And I think it's it's a it's good in a way because you've got guys that want to make plays and you want to make things happen. But man, we when we lose, our, we have those mental errors, and we forget our responsibility, and don't let the other ten guys on the field help you out. That's that's when bad things happen. It's funny to pull a quote from this program, who is having a horrible year, um, the New England Patriots. Um, but you just got to remember sometimes you just got to do your job, um, and I think uh, I think that's what's important. <laughs> Joshua Linville, I think he wrote a good question in the beginning, and then he. And then he cut it in half and he said, let me ask a question. It's going to drive Billy Ray crazy, but that's okay. We'll answer both of them. Uh, do you think that the game would have been a ranked matchup if VT hired prime, uh, hired prime, hired pry the same time that FSU hired Norvell? Um, I have no idea. I, I, I don't know. Uh, we're going to, we're going to get into kind of the, um, the coaching record with, uh, with coach Norvell, which points to, you know, something positive of what it looks like when you hire the right guy and you give them time to, to cook as people like to say. Um, so I have no idea what the, what the, what the matchup would have been like if we hired coach Pry earlier. Um, the second half of the question, should we attempt to get Michael Vick back as a quarterback coach with the dual threat quarterbacks? We'll have lined up over the next few years. No, we should not try to hire Michael Vick as a quarterback coach. We should stop talking about that. Michael Vick does not want to live in Blacksburg. I have not heard that from him, but I would assume that he does not want to live in Blacksburg. Um, he's doing other stuff. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's pretty clear. I mean, Kyron Jones fits exactly what we're trying to do from the dual threat quarterback perspective. I do think, like, we've been talking about coordinators. I think Coach Bowen has done a great job with Kyron Jones and making him get and, and helping him get better. Uh, Kyron drones gets better every single week that he plays in my opinion. Um, for Kyron drones to go from, I'm not starting at the beginning of the year. I come in late against Purdue and then I'm playing against one of the best teams in the country. A few weeks later, don't turn the ball over and make some Superman plays throughout the game. Um, you know, I thought, I I think we have to tip our cap to coach Bowen and, and the way that he's been developing Kyron drones. So, um, that's my opinion there. Uh, I'll give you this one, Pat. Uh, Robert Emerson with Mike Norvell being a wizard with the transfer portal. A wizard. He still seemed to struggle his first couple of years. Could we see the same outcome with Coach Pry, or does Florida State have funding we can't compete with? 
Uh, Norvell has been really, really good in the portal. Mm-hmm. Norvell's portal portaling over the past off season. I think it was might've been 17 guys. I know actually our guy, Mr. O'Neill sent us over some, some uh, statistics or, or a tweet about, about this very topic earlier this week. Let me find it here. Florida State got 17 guys out of the portal. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I know um, Adam Boytnot put this on Twitter. O'Neill sent us a screenshot of Adam's tweet. 17 guys out of the portal is a lot different than five guys. It's a lot different uh, than 10 guys. It is quite opposite of the Clemson Davos when he approached, but it is quite an example of taking advantage of the current landscape of college football. And in order to compete with the transfer portal, in order to compete getting these athletes, you know, that is where NIL is going to be valuable. Um, Rob sent in these, uh, sent in an image of the head coaching record from Norvell the first four years where COVID year, they went three and six. 2021, they were five and seven. I mean, this team was laughable. Florida State was a laughing stock with Mike Norvell. Everyone was making jokes about former head coaches from Memphis and how they can't perform at the ACC level. And then Norvell really turned it around in 2022 and 2023. I mean, honestly, a lot of this just starts with having the right guy quarterback. You know, if you have a quarterback that can put you in a position to win ball games, you're going to have a team that's going to have a winning record, you know, most of the time. And, you know, you, you fill in the weapons around him as well. Florida State historically is getting guys that have size, that have strength, that have speed, that are top athletes. You know, this is not like this is not like a a lesser program like, you know, NC State that is ranked in the top five. Uh, that's more on par with us right now. This is a, a historically relevant football program that is going to historically and in the future recruit top talent to Florida State. Um, so the question is, Norvell struggled his first few years. Could we see a similar outcome with Coach Pry? That remains to be seen. You know, I do think that we have seen a total roster transformation from year one into year two. And I really hope that year three continues to move uh, on the plane that we're operating right now. We have a great trajectory in making off season moves and improvements, you know, year two over year one. So, you know, I don't necessarily think it's out of the question. Do I think we'll be ranked number five in the country in the, in the fourth year of Brent Pry? Probably not. But, um, you know, can can we win eight or nine games in 2024 if we continue to improve our roster in the offseason? Yes, I do think we can do that. So sorry for the long tangent, but um, you got to have offseason trajectory. I do think we have NIL position uh, or we can get, you know, some key difference makers year over year. Yeah, and we did it this past year. I mean, Tech did a great job in the portal. I think – I, I I saw a tweet. I'm not sure how accurate it is, um, but a large percentage of our points have come out of the transfer portal. If not 100% of our points have come out of the transfer portal. The biggest question mark is, and this isn't a shot. This is just what every, basically every successful program does is they get large human beings out of the transfer portal. If that's the D line, if that's the offensive line, that is going to be paramount 
uh, this offseason is to attack the portal and identify and find guys like Feldarius Payne who can contribute on that front line uh, of the offense and the defense. So um, that's what I got. That's pretty much the summary of the game. Before we let you go, Mike, I, uh, any closing thoughts? The one thing that I want to say, again, very proud of how Virginia Tech handled this. Um, got some things to clean up. Wake Forest is a huge, huge game for the rest of this football season. This episode of the Sons of Saturday podcast is brought to you by the River Course. And look, we talk about greatness all the time. And when you talk about golf, Pebble Beach, Augusta, Bandon Dunes, dare I say Shinnecock, the river course sits squarely in the middle of this conversation. A top 10 college course in America, according to Golf Digest, and the home for the For Those to Come golf tournament. And look, if you head on down there and you mention Sons of Saturday, we got some hookups for you. 50% off appetizers. Who doesn't like appetizers? 10% off of headwear and apparel at the golf shop. I mean, get yourself a new outfit. Feel good. Look good. Play good. And the cream of the crop, new annual student memberships will receive a free cart fee and new adult memberships will receive a free foursome plus a complimentary lunch. The River Course, unparalleled greatness, unparalleled beauty, nestled right in Southwest Virginia. As far as Florida State competing for a national championship goes, I feel like this is the story with most Florida State games. Every single year, they're going to be extremely talented. Every single year, they're going to be fast. I do worry about their discipline level. That is my like one thing that I came away this game uh, somewhat concerned about. They did have one of their wide receivers who uh, left the program uh, today or yesterday. Uh, I know I think Keon Coleman got hurt. Um, but I fully expect Florida state to be in the national championship co uh, conversation throughout the year. Uh, I would say that is kind of my one hesitation with them in being the best team in the country, but Virginia tech went out, they covered and they played a competitive game against one of the best programs in the country. So that, that is my takeaway from this week, Mike. Yeah. The, I think you look at Florida state, I think they're closer to Southern Cal than they are to Georgia. Um, they're not a complete team, um, far and away. They do have some glaring holes, um, that, you know, that, that they need to work on. And as long as the injury to Jeff Wilson isn't terrible, um, as, as like they can sure up some of the penalties, I think what they really, and I'm really surprised that, it, that he didn't hurt us more. They didn't go to Jaheim Bell once during the entire ball game. Transfer from South, South Carolina, from, right? Yes. Yeah, the South Carolina transfer. They didn't go to him once. Um, they used him in motion a couple times, but other than that, like I was very surprised they didn't use him, uh, use him at all. Um, but I think coming out of this game, what if you're looking at the silver lining <laughs> on the gray cloud of a loss? We hung with a top ten, top five team for three and a half quarters. You know, or for two and a half quarters. Yeah, and you know, and we hung with we hung with that team that had far superior athletes. And as Pat said earlier, we fought and we fought and we fought and we fought and we kept going and we kept going and we kept going. And I think that is a, that is a better reflection on the coaching staff than giving up a chunk play every once in a while. 
Um, so keep the head up. It's going to be going to get better. And uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Go Hokies. Salute, Mike Holmes. What can we look forward to this week? What do you got coming out? Uh, we got a uh, hokey hitter this week. I'm going to break down that middle screen uh, to um, to Malachi Thomas. And if it hadn't been for him tripping over Brody Meadows uh, there at the end, that would have gone to the house. But it was a really awesome play design with some misdirection and stuff in there. And then the hokey football focus will come out later this week. Awesome. Mike, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it. So, Pat, let's talk about this weekend. But first, I know where I'm going to get recovered and I'm going to take care of myself after. I really wish they had one in Tallahassee. I really, <laughs> really could have used one. I got to tell you, they would do really, really well in Tallahassee. They, they would. We have a Blacksburg weekend coming up. We do. I don't really want to feel like I got run over at the end of my Blacksburg weekend. But you know how sometimes Blacksburg weekends get especially the young alumni out there. You don't want to feel that, which is why we recommend you go to renew and restore wellness for the pick game. We went on Friday and we went on Sunday. Billy, how, how was your experience over there? I mean, it was unbelievable. First of all, fantastic people top to bottom. Uh, You got dogs running around. They talk about your wellness being internal externally having a nice little canine running around, giving you some kisses, giving you some love. That always makes you feel better. Um, And then you get the IV where you just, it's a cheat code. Instead of having to go to sheets and buy five of those Pedialytes and drinking a ton of water, you could just sit back, throw the headphones on, throw in the IV. You're going to get some vitamin B12. You're going to get all the nutrients and the oxidants and the electrolytes that you need to recover from a weekend of being unhealthy. It takes care of that. You want to get rid of the soreness and the swelling and the uncomfortability in your knees, your back, your bones. You jump into the cryotherapy freezer for two minutes and it drops your body temperature down. And for those of you who hate running, fun fact, they told me that you burn 450 calories by just standing there and chilling your body. And then your body going ahead and warm itself back up. So you can basically get burned the same amount of calories that you would burn by going on a 40-minute run by just standing in this tube and chilling your body down. And then last but not least, you get out of there. You're feeling a little cold. You got the robe on. You head back into the other room, and you take on the red light therapy, which breaks down all of the toxins and nasty stuff in your body. What more could you want? What more do you need? Renew and restore wellness. Blacksburg, Virginia. Head on in there. Let them know the Sons of Saturday sent you for $20 off of your IV. $25. Don't, $25, $25 off on. your IV. This I was is, underselling you. This is, a Frank, this is a Frank Beamer built town, Billy Ray. You think we would only give $20? No, it's always $25. 120 professional Park Drive Southeast Suite 8. You can give them a phone call at 540-753-3837. You won't thank us verbally. Your body will thank us by how it feels. Those Sunday scaries when you're driving up 81 or driving down 81, all of a sudden they might go away. They might subside a little bit. And Billy, I know you left out, but not on purpose because you know how much I love it. 
decompression therapy. Ooh. When you go full on marshmallow mode, yes. Yes. <laughs> they got the lower back compression. They got the legs and the arms compression. We're excited and uh, we love working with them. And they're also going to be at the hokey house happy hour for homecoming on Friday. So looking forward to seeing you guys there. Let's talk about our weekend. You got to talk about the roster. You got to talk about this star-studded roster from this weekend, Patrick. Get read us read us this roster of uh, of absolute legends that we got to that we got to spend uh, the weekend with. Oh man, do I got to pull up the WhatsApp? I think you have to pull. I think you need to pull up the WhatsApp. Oh, as man. usual, well, not actually not as usual. This was the first time my father and I and my brother all watched a football game since the Penn State whiteout in 2011. It was a recruiting trip. Um, so my brother living down in Pensacola, Florida in flight school, my pops flew down from, uh, from Newark. We all got to go together and go to the game. It was a ton of fun. Absolutely loved, uh, loved seeing them. And then, uh, go ahead and give me the, the WhatsApp roster from, uh, from this weekend and Ethan Brown, excuse me, my friend, Ethan Brown from Panama city. Uh, long story short, drove down after <laughs> hurricane Michael, uh, in 2019, uh, when I was doing the hung up podcast, I tweeted out that I was doing a fundraiser. Thank you to everybody who donated years ago. We raised like $2,500. I got in my truck and I drove down. I didn't know anybody there. He was the first person that I saw. He was chainsawing a tree off of his roof. I leaned out of my window. I said, do you need any help? And he said, yeah, I suppose I could use some help and ended up staying with him and his family for four or five days and chopping trees down and, uh, in uh in panama city so i uh, had a great time uh great time seeing him that's how like 33 percent of billy ray's friendships have formed over <laughs> the years <laughs> ethan brown definitely one of the more interesting men in the world uh definitely a florida man and a florida historian looks like thor he does look like thor dude he, he's a fun time uh okay so we had mayhul who was the ringleader and uh, so much fun hanging out. The, we'll we'll say ringleader slash hype man. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Mayhul and Sonu. Sonu was the the one liner king of the weekend. <laughs> and then we had uh, Basil, Piyush, Satish, Sunny, and Vic. What and these guys are just you know Mayhul's group are just a ton of fun. So much fun. We went out to um, a couple dinners. We I think Gordo's was arguably one of the most fun uh fun events that we had throughout the entire trip what about um i guess any funny stories from friday we got to madison social yeah we should just go down the list so we stayed in an airbnb in chattahoochee was two hundred dollars a night it was on lake seminole It it was we spent not a lot of time there but it was a it was a beautiful airbnb so we roll in on Friday to Madison Social, and they have like this block party, country music, live festival um, going on. And the first time we went to Madison Social, they're setting it up. And, you know, we're chopping it up, saw some Hokies there, had a fantastic time. And then we headed over to this restaurant called uh, Table 23 or Table 24. It was a real confusing situation because we took separate cars and they're like, we're at Table 23. I said, am I supposed to, like, what restaurant? What, who, who? I don't know where the tables are. Like, no, it's called Table 23. Um, table 23. The sides at Table 23 were completely out of control. Um, so many sides. Sides for days. Um, an unbelievable amount of sides. 
Um, we got the entire restaurant to sing, uh, to sing Mr. Sing, happy birthday, double nickels, double nickels for, uh, for George Clooney. Um, great, great birthday weekend. That was, that was awesome. Uh, my brother in, in Jackson Lee fashion, um, you know, Hey, we're going out to Florida state, you know, I'm, I'm, what, what's everyone wearing? Well, I'm going to wear this college shirt. I'm going to wear this, um, you know, maybe some, some, some khaki shorts. No, um, man. No, no, man. I'm wearing my reefs. I'm wearing my jorts and I'm wearing my t-shirt. And that's, that's what he paraded around town. And don't let me not wear my bucket hat. And don't let me not wear my cold drinks waiting bucket hat, um, which he needs to come back. And I mean, it, it, he tells that he tells us he's going to sell 50 of them if they get them back in stock. So if you're interested in getting the cold drinks waiting bucket hat back in stock, tweet at us, let us know. Um, but that was table 23 was great, man. I, I had a, I, I had a ton of, of fun at table 23. I know she's not listening, but our waitress at table 23, thank you for putting up with us. Thank you for taking care of us. Unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable. What did you get? I got the, I got the steak. Steak was good. Uh, it's just, I've never had steak with such a full stomach. Yeah. I, I was going to say, we, we were very much full after, you know, the <laughs> seven dozen appetizers, <laughs> but the ribeye was epic and definitely the, uh, the way to kick off an awesome weekend. We spent a lot of time at Madison Social prior and post. That place is so awesome. Table 23. That place is so awesome, man. Um, fantastic time at, at Madison Social. So then we make our trip back, wake up Saturday morning, and per Taylor's recommendation, we go to um, Gordo's. So Gordo's is on the road into the stadium. It's probably like point, you know, three quarters of a mile, maybe half a Pensacola mile. Pensacola Ave. On Pensacola Avenue. And we just had an amazing – so we show up like six minutes before they open. We get there at like 10.54, 10.55. Uh, get a seat. Um, I forget our waitress, wait, waitress's name. Gabby. Gabby. Um the Florida State people were so funny. Um, so there were two waitresses <laughs> that were fixing the sign outside. Um, <laughs> and I, I offered to help. I'm like, do you need any help fixing this sign? And they said, no. Are you ready to get your ass kicked later today? <laughs> it's just like they always had like this subtle, like backhanded chirp any time that you're walking past them. Um, but uh, what did we get? We got the, we got the, we got the, um, the Philly. Is that what we got with the Philly with the Gordo sauce? I got to tell you, this uh, this chicken. So so Taylor recommended the pollo a la plancha, which we got, we shared. And then we each got the chicken Philly at, uh, per Gabby's recommendation. And when I tell you it knocked my socks off, it was, I mean, it was 100 times better than the Philly cheesesteak that I had last night at the airport so terminal. So good. Which was, which was horrible. <laughs> the one last, the one on, on Saturday morning at Gordo's was probably the best chicken oh, Philly God. that I've ever had. It was um, the sauce, though, that tied it together. The Gordo sauce was – what did I tell them? I told them it was like you took – I was like, if you took ranch and you – but you queso. made it. If you made queso lemony, that's what it was like. Uh, it, it was <laughs> unreal. Unbelievable. I, I know you're going through your phone to find some pictures because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold some up too. But um, talk about the walk from uh, – from Gordo. Or no, we had the smash. The smash. So we asked – we asked – I'm a big like sit down at the restaurant and I do two things. I ask you what's the biggest thing on the menu because I don't want to leave hungry because I'll be upset. 
And then number two, I always love asking kind of what's your signature. And, and number one was the Philly, which we got. And number two was the smash, the Gordo smash. And I suppose it's their, it's their version of a rail. Um, it was a 32 ounce cup of like gin, uh, orange juice, and like a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, not to sound soft here, we had a really long day, so we split one and my, my, pops, <laughs> my pops got one for himself and he took one sip and he goes, Hey, who else wants to try this? And he started, you know, democratizing his across the table, um, which was probably a good move because if, if we both would have had one of those things, there's no way that we're making it through, making it through the entire day. Um, it was really, really good. If you took the rail, but you made it tropical. Um, that is essentially what the, what the smash was really, really good. Tropical rail. Tropical rail. And then we made our way to the stadium. Well, you got to say we stopped at the gas station though. Cause we had to get our PBR on the way in. Cause you can't Naturally. get it. You can't get it in the stadium. So we did get it at the gas station for the walk. Naturally. And Mayhul was extremely fired up about the PBR, um, you know, <laughs> because they are serving PBR at the Benny's. Um, but that was, that was a great, a great piece of content from the weekend. Followed that up with, um, we walked up to the first Hokie tailgate that we saw close to the stadium. And guess who it was? It was oh Parker Clemens' family, and it was Peter Moore's family. Uh, there, there, there's some group picks from it. So Billy Ray does this thing. <laughs> what that, do I do? That <laughs> kind of drives me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> there's a long list of those, but uh, this is on there. If someone says, oh, Sons of Saturday, like your Sons of Saturday guys, like I listen to the pod, Billy Ray says, instead of like, oh, hey, what's your name? Nice to meet you. He says, oh, really? And he points at them, what's your favorite episode? Well, I want to find out if they actually listen to the pod. And okay. Like, you, you, think, you, you think people are just coming out here just lying to you for just, no. you know? No. So, what's your favorite episode? And it's like, all right, why did this become an interrogation? <laughs> it's like, damn, dude, like, do I need to like pull up my Spotify and show you that I listened to the, the episode on, you know, September 15th? Like, what are we doing? Oh my God. Um, they were great. I, I loved the Moore and the, uh, and the Clemens family. So uh, um, I believe it was Parker Clemens uncle or Parker Clemens. It, it, it was, it was some descent. Parker Clemens was some descendant of this absolute beast. Um, and we got to talking and he's, he's like, yeah, no, I, I follow Virginia tech, obviously care about him a lot, but he rolls his sleeve up. This dude's got a, uh, South Carolina Gamecocks tattoo on his, uh, on his shoulder. Um, and we all walked down to the, to the game together. Um, fun walk. I, I Pat, I say this all the time because we were originally, we were like, oh, we're going to Uber from Gordo's to stay. And I was like, look, it's only like half a mile. I love a good pre and post game, uh, like shuffle. Uh, and we had a nice shuffle down in the stadium, um, and made our way down there. Here's an awesome pick for those of you uh, on YouTube in front of the unconquered statue, which is awesome. Um, it's, uh, Osceola who we found out's original name is Billy. For those of you wondering, um, riding the horse with a uh, with the spear on fire, which was which was pretty cool. Osceola was not a chief. He was born Billy oh. Powell and raised as a Creek by his mother. Yes. Now, I don't um, know how reliable this source is, but it is coming from the University of Florida library website. So <laughs> either it's real information or the University of Florida is trolling their yeah. rivals. 
Um, so watch the game. I think we kind of talked about the game. It had a flyover, which was great. Um, great group that we sat by. Um, we had this one group of guys that we were chirping with. Um, and coincidentally, they were one of them was in flight school with my brother. Like, I, I, like not just chirping. Like, there was almost an altercation, and then we were like, "Wait, it was hot. It, it was, was really hot. hot out. The heat was getting to all these guys out here and us. I mean, it was getting to us too. Um, <laughs> and uh, so he was in flight school. And what was the other parallel universe that that you had as well with uh, with your Notre Dame friends? Yeah, this blew my mind. Yeah, Brian or uh, Billy Ray is like, yeah, the, these guys went to Notre Dame. They're in flight school here in, in Pensacola. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. They went to Notre Dame and they're doing, you know, awesome military stuff. Like, do you guys know Connor Rooney? My brother's fiance's younger brother who – you know, the Rooney family just spent some time with them in Ireland with the Notre Dame uh, Navy game. Epic time. They're like, Connor Rooney, we were just at his house in Chicago two weeks ago for the Notre Dame-Ohio State game. I'm like, well, dude, why we didn't just get in a fight with you guys? Because, um, you know, we have some a lot of commonalities, a lot of mutuals here. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was pretty funny as well. What are the chances? What are the odds there? Uh, the game itself – a lot of fun, as we talked about. Doak Campbell Stadium's exterior is beautiful. I believe it's the longest continuous brick structure in the entire United yeah. States. Mm -hmm. The interior the, sucks. The interior is like, you know how like there's those really old school like wooden or you know old school metal like crotchety roller coasters? There you go. Thank you for the visual, Billy. Right? You're welcome. Great. Watch on the YouTube. Subscribe, like if you're watching right now, by the way. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. It helps. Uh, that's the gentleman's agreement. But, yeah, it, it, the interior of Doe Campbell Stadium is not impressive at all. Um, I'm sure the, you know, the suites are awesome. I know that um, I think one of the uh, one of the end zones with the massive scoreboard probably has probably has some nicer parts to it. After the game. Can I say something about the game itself? So No, you can't. I'm going to. <laughs> Um, something that bothered me a little bit, it didn't bother me. It's just a weird way to think about things. Um, so I posted a video today of, um, before we go to the game, a lot of people are talking about how awesome the marching chiefs are. Um, they're a famous, uh, marching band for Florida state. So I'm getting my high noons and the marching band is, is walking by. So I just start handing out high fives. And look, if that bothers you, if it bothers you to get fired up to go enjoy the environment that's college football and you think that me high-fiving a band member is going to affect the game in any way whatsoever, I don't have anything for you. Um, their band was awesome, though. Really enjoyed it. They did the halftime show. They didn't dot the I, but they wrote out Knowles. They, they played a lot of the hits. They were fantastic. Um Again, stadium wasn't overwhelmingly loud, um, but the chop is cool. Like I, I, I have to say, the chop—they didn't do it as I thought. I was going to leave the stadium, like having it stuck in my head. They did it like an appropriate amount of times. Can I zag you on the whole high fiving thing? Sure. Doing it, one thing. Posting it, you're gonna get a lot of hate comments. Sure. I'm just sure. saying, you walked right into the lion's den with that. I don't know if that needed to go on the internet. So, uh, but you know, is it the worst thing that anyone's gonna see on Twitter today? Absolutely not. No. Um, but you know, you kind of walked right into that one. That was an awesome pick, Grant Perel. 
took some incredible Dude. photography this weekend. <sighs> really good color contrast. I, I mean, I love Florida State's colors. I think they're awesome. You know, you have that against the uh, the green field mm-hmm. on a nice sunny day. Um, pictures just came out really, really well. Oh my gosh, so that, was, that was awesome. This is another good one of the uh, of the crowd. You can see my brother taking it really so cold. Um, we so also cool. saw this beast here in the Michael Vick uh, retro Atlanta Falcons jersey. So shout out to that guy. Um, but no, we sat with a great group. Um, had a ton of fun. And then we ended up bouncing and going to – everybody wanted us to go to Potbelly. Um, that was Taylor's recommendation. But if we had gone to Potbelly, it would have been it have been a three-hour, four-hour wait. Um, so we ended up going, where did we go? Brick tavern, brick house. Yeah, it, was brick uh, house. it was like brickyard pizza joint. Um, can I be honest? The wrap by mistake. That was huge mistake. Our, our waitress at brick house said to get the wrap. It was an overwhelmingly okay wrap. Um, I gotta be honest. I don't know if, I don't know if we had a, a trustworthy server no. that evening. No, no, we did not. Um, that was a ton of fun. Nope. And then no pineapple. And then <laughs> no pineapple. <laughs> oh, oh man. Um, so then this is where this is where the night got a little crazy. Um, so we depart <laughs> from from Brick House and we go to this nightclub. And if you, I, I, I will never, and I probably will, but in that moment, I was like, I will never complain about the line situation at Tots. I am not exaggerating when I say there were literally at minimum 500 to 800 people waiting to get into this place. It was called 10 with two N's. And before we walked in there, Pat, we had a table and I said, it actually feels like we are walking into the gates of hell. Like, like not in a bad way necessarily, but the lights were, it was, were, there were red lights. Smoke was there coming was, out. There was steam, there was steam coming out. There, and, we, there and it was steam. in a basement. It was in a basement and it was, I'm not a big club guy. I'm a big, like sit down at a bar, watch some college football and listen to honky tonk type of guy. But I can't say no to a new experience and an experience. It was, it was, it was literally like a garage with smoke machines and a DJ and just pandemonium. The DJ was unbelievable. He playing was. some unbelievable music. I mean, we went from like the Bee Gees to Mama Mia to future to Drake to Probably the biggest spectacle of this entire trip. There was a moment. This video is on YouTube. It's on our our Twitter account. The speaker starts playing War Chant. Every single person in this bar starts doing the War Chant and the chop. And it was like, it was instantaneous. It's kind of funny. I've never gotten goosebumps at a club before, but... There was no way that you couldn't have it. It was it was an unbelievable visual just to see this. Yeah. No follow-up. Really, <laughs> I mean, that was like, oh my gosh, all right, we can we can go home. We've seen it all. Mm-hmm. We've seen the uh, the pinnacle of the evening. Like 
really really cool everyone in our group pulls our phones out or oh like this is sick because it's a remix of the of the war chant they yeah. mix it into like a techno song if you saw it on social media we posted it a few times but uh i mean i've seen a few of those mashups um over the over the years on the internet and I've never to experience seen it, it oh you're just God. like this is awesome this it was rules. it was it was <laughs> i felt a little jealous because i can't <laughs> Because I love Let's Go Hokies, but you're not going to get an entire crowd doing Let's Go Hokies at a nightclub. Um, but that's just how we're different. We're blue collar. They're not blue collar. So I don't know what they are. I don't know what they are. They're they're. It is it is different down there. It is a different part of the country. It you know it. it let Let's be honest, guys. It's Florida, yeah. and Florida is unpredictable. You know, you never know what you're going to get in Florida, especially. You know, you're getting close up on the panhandle. You got Spanish moss everywhere. I was about to say, can we talk about the moss? Can we just talk about the moss? Talk about the moss. What are you going to say? What are you going to say about the moss? <laughs> the moss was was beautiful. It like, was awesome. It, 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 <laughs> it was. It was sick. It was Billy, Ray, Billy Ray is like, listen, guys, we're walking into the stadium. He's like, hey, you mind uh, – you mind getting the picture of me wearing like a moss lay? Like he takes, he, he goes up to one of the Spanish moss trees and like yanks it down and then puts it around his neck. And he's like, check it out. Like I'm officially a Florida man. And then, <laughs> and then like, he got all cut down. Prickly yeah. and yeah, it kind of gets a little gross. You don't really do that again. Um, But I mean, an unbelievable time. I got to say um, major props to the to to the to the group that we were with um i hope that i am that fun when i am when i am you know i don't want to make them sound old when i'm over 30 i hope that i'm i'm hope that i'm that fun <laughs> when i am that age i mean they uh they get after it i'll just i'll just i'll just leave it at that that group knows how to party they know how to have a good time um and um you know overwhelming thank you to all of them for uh for having us be a part. I know, I know a lot of them do listen. So shout out to you guys, man. You guys, you guys certainly know how to have an amazing time. Can't wait to see you guys all in Blacksburg, whether it's this weekend or if the rest of the season and Ole Miss next year, I know we're going to run it back and uh, check out the Grove. So that should be a ton of fun. Are we missing anything? Um, Tallahassee as an overall, as an overall city, um, really a mixed bag like there are so many different pockets of it where you're like oh this looks like Hackensack oh this looks like Auburn oh this looks like you know some places look like Newark I mean it was really it really 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 reminded me of Baton Rouge like that is the comp that I have that is from the look of the city the craziness of the party scene that goes on there um I will tell you what I did miss Patrick was the Blacksburg prices on um, ice cold beverages. So I'm a big, I'm going to get everybody shots guy, especially in Blacksburg, because I know if I get everybody shots, it's going to be reasonably priced. So I think, I think it was like 10 or 12 green tea shots and it was like $160 for, for like 11 green tea shots. So if you do go down there, do not anticipate $2 drafts and $3 shots. That will not be the situation, at least in the places that we went to um, uh, in Tallahassee. 
because at the end of the day, no matter how much fun you have in another city, there is nothing like our home, Blacksburg, Virginia, which I think curtails nicely. Bill, you got anything else before uh, before we, we drop the curtains and get ready for homecoming? Nothing else. Looking forward to it. Please do come see us at the Young Alumni event. Please do go see our friends at R&R. Please do grab yourself a slice of Benny's Pizza. We are really, really excited about this partnership. We're doing some awesome, awesome stuff with that. I had one more thing, but I didn't know if this was time, if this was subject sensitive. So I'll pass it back to you one more time. Oh, no, I was just throwing my hands up because I was excited. But I did actually have in my notes, guys, check out Roback. Check out the Commonwealth mm-hmm. Quarter Zip, or sorry, the Commonwealth Polo. The is it the Berg quarter zip? Yep. Uh, I, I think mean, it's I, the Berg. I think the Berg is the is the is the polo, and I think the no uh, no, 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 no 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> well, you asked me, so so you didn't know yet. So what is it? <laughs> no, I was just getting validation, and then you, oh, okay. you and then you flipped it on its. <laughs> okay. The Commonwealth is the polo. The Berg is the quarter zip. I wore the quarter zip on the plane yesterday. And uh, I felt great in it. I think you guys should check it out. Use Suns VT for 20% off your first order. You're going to feel great in it, guys. <laughs> You're going to feel great in it. I promise. That's a guarantee. Uh, Last thing. Go check it out. Last thing, if you're still listening. I'm going to mention Section this five pick. Come for the Section 5 pick, please. If you got to this point in the episode and we went on Saturday and you were not there, present, for the section five picture, we only have three more opportunities to do this this year mm-hmm. in section five before we're all scattered about. So right. we ask you, I really value the people in my life who, who make an effort to come over and, and hang out for the picture. Andy Newman, you're, you're actually number one on that list. Um, wow. Come see us in section five. Andy's all dude. Andy makes a special effort every time. Um. Last thing, if you're still listening, I'll mention this earlier. We haven't done a two-hour podcast in so long. We are doing a content day with the men's basketball team at Hanhurst. Um, This is open for advertisement to make an impact on the uh, specifically NIL in the basketball program. So if you are interested in participating and sponsoring any of those events, let me know. Shoot us a DM. Comment on this video. Shoot me an email, billyray at sonsofsaturday.com. It's going to be awesome. We're really, really looking forward to that. Um, that is everything. Stay cool. Go sports. Go Hokies. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the games. We'll and subscribe to All Sons of Saturday Virginia Tech content. to wander tripping in the sand we smoke out windows drink till we can't stand but i saw you dance like you want to in my head and all that she said is oh i know what you're thinking